Tom Lawler Arena here at Merrimack with a score. After two periods of Game 3, the Hockey East opening round series is Merrimack 2, UNH nothing. Merrimack gets two goals that period off the sticks of Derek Petty and Jace Hennig and outshoots UNH 15-10. to In the game, the shots are 28-18 to in favor of Merrimack, and the Warriors have a two-goal lead at the end of the second period of play. It is 2 to nothing. I'm Mike Mackney with John Leahy. The second intermission tonight is brought to you by the Merrimack Graduate School. At Merrimack, you can earn your master's degree in just one year. Merrimack offers graduate programs in business, science and engineering, and education and social policy. Log on to merrimack.edu backslash graduate today for all the details. Mike McMahon steps in to join us now from the MacReport.com, from the Eagle Tribune, and also from College Hockey News. And Mike, uh, this game uh, maybe a little bit less of the the, the way that Merrimack has gar- has carried the puck possession in the first two games. It's certainly been uh, a little bit more of a battle than Game Two, for example. But still, the Warriors with the edge in play through two periods, and uh, kind of had the feeling uh, after one and, and, and coming into the second that Merrimack's strategy was to try to win down UNH, and uh, and I think that uh, while it was tough to do it at the beginning of the game tonight because last yesterday was an off day, UNH had the rest. Uh, Merrimack was able to gradually get that going here in the first and into the second, and then it paid off with two goals. Ironically, I mean, in terms of a possession standpoint, I think this is the game that they've controlled the least of, uh, of the three, and here they are with a two-goal lead. We've seen them control really big portions of the first two periods in game one and game two, uh, and in one of those games were trailing. So, uh, yeah, I I think it's it's sort of ironic in that sense that they've controlled the most possession, probably uh, the least possession, excuse me, probably in this game, and yet have the two nothing lead. Really, I, I think they've done a really good job, though, uh, getting guys in the net, getting bodies to the net. I mean, you look at some of those chances in the first period, second, third, fourth chances. Chase Henning, his goal gets his own rebound. Derek Petty, his goal. I mean, both goals come off a rebound. Uh, that's one of the areas we talked about. I think in game two was they needed to do a better job of getting to the net. Had a lot of possession, but they weren't doing much with it. Tonight they're doing a real good job getting to that net front, and it's resulted in two goals, both similar in the sense that off rebounds, off second chances, that that's how they've scored most of this past weekend. Three goals in three games now for Derek Petty, and while that line, I think, uh, has been the most consistent probably uh, night after night for the last few games, the big question I had tonight was with the absence of Mike Babcock, what was it going to do to that line? And what we've seen tonight, I think, is Derek Petty and Chris LeBlanc as well. I thought LeBlanc had a terrific game the other night, as did Petty, and those guys continue to play well. Yeah, I thought LeBlanc's played his best game of the series by far. Uh, and sort of, and I wonder how much of it is they're looking to fill that void a little bit, you know, of that Babcock, that energy type thing. Uh, he's, I think he's provided a spark. He's made a couple of nice plays, getting pucks out of the zones. Uh, he's just, I, I think he's played probably his best game of the series. Almost scores there in the breakaway towards the end. That probably puts the game away, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I think that line in general hasn't missed a beat. And then I also think we've seen that Alfred Larson line with Hosser and uh, Matt Fogan probably play their best game of the series as well and has, has stepped up and sort of provided some of the uh, uh, filling in some of the blanks or some of that jump that you miss when a guy like Babcock's out of the lineup. Uh, Mark Viega, I don't know what more we can say about him. I mean, the guy's just been unbelievable in this series. Uh, he's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd like to see how many minutes he's played. I know they log it as a team. Uh, Mark Viega and Jared Colquist may, may play 
35 minutes a night here in all three of these games. They're out there in all situations, and uh, both those guys, <laughs> I think, have been huge. And especially, I mean, you look at now the fact that they've lost a D and Aaron Tidcombe with that injury, and uh, Alex Carl just able to come back here for the playoffs. That's big. I mean, they could have been without Carl. Uh, you know, you really could have been down to, uh, they've only got a couple guys healthy now that aren't playing. So, um, so yeah, I, I think Viega has been huge. Colquist has been huge. And, and even guys like Ethan Spaxman, I think, has had a pretty good series. Uh, and he had been hot and cold over the course of the year, but has had a, had a really good series with and without the puck. You know, that's one of the things that jumps out at me is that, you know, regardless of what happens in this game tonight, you can go right down the list. And I can't find a freshman that's, <laughs> that's on the team that hasn't gotten much better at the end of the season as opposed to the beginning. I mean, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, I think Matt Fogut the last month or so has been one of their better forwards. I mean, obviously, we, we see what Drew Vogler's been doing. Uh, Spaxman, like you said, I think he's taken big steps as well. Ludwig Larson finally healthy uh, and also taking big steps. Derek Petty's been pretty consistent all year, but has played his best hockey, I think, as well uh, in the last month, along with a guy like Fogut uh, playing with Babcock, who we, we just talked about, too. So uh, that that's a good sign. I mean, we, we saw the, the impact of the freshman on this team made last year, and it was almost immediate. This freshman class is making an impact, too. It's been a little later in the year. It's maybe taking them a little more time to get their feet wet, but I think that's normal. You know, I think the, the amount of production you got from your freshman last year right away like that uh, is the exception more than it is the rule. It usually takes guys to get uh, a little bit of time to get accustomed to the speed of the game and things like that. And I think that's what we've seen over the, from, with this freshman class over the second half of the year. All right, quickly before we move on to uh, one other piece of news, um, injury status. Uh, if there ends up being a quarterfinal series next week, you got Aaron Tickham, you got Matt Cronin, now Michael Babcock out of the lineup. Injury status there. Uh, we'll see. I know it sounded like Titkin was uh, hot or cold. It might might be some time. I think they were probably waiting to see uh, some testing that they might be able to do this week. Uh, don't know what Babcock is. We haven't had a chance to ask yet. Um, obviously, he played through it on, in game two. I should say, he sounds day-to-day when we talked to him in the first intermission. I was going to say, yeah, I know you, you talked to him. I'm sure if it was up to him, he'd be out there tonight because, like, like you saw in game two, he didn't come out of the game. So Any of those guys actually come to think of it. Yeah, I'm sure if it were up to them uh, and, and they could play through it, uh, they could play through it. And, um, yeah, so I, well, I think I think he's probably the closest. I know Cronin, I, I think, was in a walking pool last weekend. He sounds like he could be a while. So of those three, it sounds like Babcock is the closest of the three for sure. All right, Mike, uh, news today of UMass, their season ended last night, uh, knocked out of the playoffs by Boston University. They finished in 12th. Uh, John Michelotto was, was let go as head coach today, very early this morning. Uh, surprising that it happened so quickly, but... Uh, uh, you know, thoughts on that as well as uh, you know what we could end up seeing there as far as uh, coaching changes. I was very surprised to see it happen right away. I mean, I expected it. I think a lot of people did. Uh, the the word had been out for a while that they were probably going to make a change. Didn't expect to see it on Sunday morning. You know, I figured it would be early in the week because there, there's logistical things you have to do when you relieve a coach of duties, especially when he's still under contract. And Micheletta was still under contract for one, for one more year. You've got to file the paperwork and tell the team. I mean, when did they tell the players? The bus back from BU last night? I mean, it just it seemed like it was very quick, but that also tells me that this decision was made up a long time ago. Uh, probably about three weeks or a month ago, uh, I would say, from what it sounds like, they had made this decision. And, um, you know, from here, where do they go? I mean, it sounds, we've talked to a couple of different people. Um, I know myself and some other people at CHN have too, and uh, it sounds like that uh, Ryan Banford, the athletic director, is, is interested in making a splash with this hire is the, is the terminology, terminology that keeps being used. So uh, I, I've been told to 
sort of look at, at current head coaches around around college hockey. Uh, a couple of ECAC guys I think are interesting there. Both, you know, Rick Bennett has, has done a great job at Union, and uh, Greg Carvel's another one at St. Lawrence has done really well. Uh, people bring up Rand Pecknold. I don't think he's going to be interested. You know, he's, they probably don't want to go there again either. Yeah, he turned them down the last time, and also, uh, you know, he's got things cooking pretty good. I'm not sure why you need to move. Uh, and, and I don't think, with, in Pecknold's case, I don't think it would be an enormous raise, whereas uh, in, in some other cases it might be. So I, I would look at some current uh, current college head coaches. There's there's also the possibility of some NHL guys. We've seen Colorado College and some other schools do that here, go after NHL assistants. Um, you know, just some names that I've thrown out there. Darren Yopik, a guy that used to be here, uh, who I think would be a really good head coach and uh, scout with the Minnesota Wild. Also, Greg Cronin. I mean, Greg Cronin might not be a long-term fix, but he had success in Northeastern. Uh, I don't believe he's an assistant with the Islanders anymore. Uh, at least I checked this morning. He wasn't listed on their website. So he could be a possibility if they're looking. I don't think he's long-term. You know, I don't think that style works long-term, but two, three years for sure, or three, four years, get him back on track. Um, so we'll see. But I would look for a splash in terms of a hire. That's how it's been described. All right. Interesting, Mike. Uh, interesting news. We'll keep an eye on it as well. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon with us from the MacReport.com, College Hockey News, Eagle Tribune as well. Score after two, 2-0 Merrimack over UNH. Back with the third period right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.